When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello everyone, you know what that sound means, it means it's time for another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast with Drew here, with Josh and Connor catching you up on Major League Soccer, soccer in England, soccer in Italy, and all over the place, so thanks for tuning in, super excited to be recording again with the fellas, so we appreciate you coming in. And it's been seven days, I think, since we've last recorded, I don't think we took last week off, which is awesome. Uh... Connor, I think <laughs> we, yeah, actually we actually did our job for once. We yeah, we stayed on schedule. Wow, that's wild around here. Um, but Connor, I know you are. Is it almost Thanksgiving in Canada? Are you getting ready to you get a week off or? Yeah, so I technically well with my schedule, I have Thursdays, Fridays off, no matter what. But Thanksgiving is this weekend, so I'm heading off tomorrow to my cottage or my grandparents' cottage, uh, where we're going Friday to drive for eight hours and then stay for two days and drive back for eight hours um but then i get reading week next week but that's going to be very busy because my i'm doing a thing called a practicum which is basically a giant project uh where we're doing a documentary and we have like five six seven different interviews next week uh so it's going to be very busy i'm doing lots of research into it because that is my role researcher slash writer slash sound mixer whenever we finish the edit. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very busy and things are going to get a whole lot busier for the next sort of until December. Uh, so Drew is editing this podcast because obviously I'm in a car tomorrow and don't have a computer, although I will tomorrow night. So maybe we figure something out. I don't know. That's behind the scenes issue. I'm just going to make Drew edit because I don't want to f- edit this podcast. Uh, I want a week off. But Josh... You had another eventful weekend. It seems like every other week you're going to some sort of wedding because for some reason, instead of June, everybody in Georgia does their weddings in September or in October. So In the middle of football season, no less. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how was that? It was wonderful. I mean, no, trying not to exaggerate here, but it was some of the, some of the best days of my life so far, probably. Um, it was a fantastic wedding. Got to spend it uh, with a lot of friends, and it was good to see my friends get married. Um, I think they're going to be a great couple, and so I look forward to seeing them spend their, their lives together. But yeah, it was, a, it was a great wedding. I got little to no sleep this weekend. I'm still, I'm still like it's Thursday as we're recording this, and I'm still trying to catch up uh, from the last couple of days. My sleep schedule is a little off. 
uh, as well. So, and back to teaching this week too. That was probably the craziest thing is this wedding was on Friday night and I had to teach on Saturday. We had like a Saturday camp uh, because we have competitions coming up with the marching band I teach at. So yes, it was, it was a, a busy weekend. It's been a pretty busy week for me too. And uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm tired, but it's like a good tired. Like you guys know how that can be, you know, you're doing fun stuff and the, the exhaustion uh, can definitely be worth it. So no tired, yeah. no, no, no tired is good tired. There is no good tired. There tired is, is just tired and it sucks. There is definitely good tired. Don't listen to Connor. He just hasn't experienced it yet. <laughs> uh, you're probably right on that front. <laughs> Drew, you're in university too. You're wrapping up. This is, you're almost what halfway done the semester at this point. Pretty much, which you know what that means, midterms. So this has been a wonderful week. Uh, pretty busy, but we're getting through it. It's been a busy week, yep. Uh, you know how when you were in school, Josh, you can probably relate to this in the past, and Connor, you can relate to this as it's happening right now. Your professors do this really nice thing of telling you and all these things are due at the beginning. So in your head, you're like, I have two months to knock this deadline out in the middle of October, and then you don't do it, and then October like sneaks up and attacks you, and you're like, oh, crap, it's due next week, and they're all due at once. That's what's going on right now in school. But we're going to get through it. Um, yeah, I got to go to Sanford Stadium where Georgia plays football. I got to watch that game. Uh, Georgia kind of kicked Arkansas's butt, which is pretty wild, pretty fun atmosphere to be a part of for that. Uh, fantasy football is currently losing, so that's a bummer. Football is just kind of taking over my life right now, which is fine, but it's good. I've been playing some golf lately. I haven't played a game. I went to the driving range, and I currently – it's been raining a lot here. I don't know if it has been for you, Josh, but in Athens it's been raining a lot. So – me and my roommate have resulted to going to Goodwill and just shopping for golf clubs. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I got a, uh, I don't even know if it's a good driver or not. And I got it and I was trying to re-grip it because the grip's terrible. And I like cut my thumb with a knife. So that kind of hurt. But Eesh. Stitches or? No, it just hurt really bad. Like I'm fine. It was just a pain in the butt. And my whole day has been dedicated to golf today. What day did you slice your thumb, Drew? Yesterday, Wednesday. Okay, I sliced my thumb on Friday at the wedding, which so by the way on Friday Were I played. Are you changing a, the grip on your you golf club? How did you slice your thumb on. at a wedding? Hold on, it's actually a very simple story, but I also want to point out that I played golf that morning as well. So like I do? woke up, I I pre- played pretty well. I tied my roommate and he usually beats me, so that was nice. And then the third guy we were playing with, he only shot one shot better than us, so we were all about the same. I felt pretty good. I had a really awesome putt from like. 15 feet out it was real solid so i was like real proud of that putt i for some reason like the putting comes pretty natural to me but driving absolutely terrible but anyway so the wedding uh we were doing a champagne toast and i finished my champagne and i accidentally put the glass down a little too hard (laughs) and the stem like like broke that way and just completely sliced my thumb so i was just sitting at this table like bleeding all over the place at this wedding (laughs) And my roommate, who was sitting next to me, he had to go grab a Band-Aid for me from the bar. So that's how you slice your thumb at a wedding. It's actually quite simple. Uh, I, I don't, <laughs> there are no words to describe either of you, really. Because, first of all, you should never put your champagne glass down too hard. Um, as somebody who doesn't even drink, I know that. And how... 
I don't even understand how, like, you know the rule of you slice away from yourself with a knife, not towards yourself. Yeah, see, the way <laughs> I was doing it was it was kind of away from me, but not away from my hand, if that makes sense. So the That's driver even head dumber. That was is in even my dumber. stomach, and my hand was on the end of the club, and I was doing, people can't see the video, but I was cutting away from me, but not away from my thumb. No, I was like poking at it, not really cutting, but poking. And then it went a little too weird and kind of got me pretty good. But I got the club off. I'm going to regrip it as soon as this ends. So we're all good. We're all good. Got a Band-Aid, stop the bleeding. All right, we might have to rename our podcast to the Gareth Bale podcast because I'm stuck with two people who love soccer and also golf. Um, as somebody who doesn't do one of those things. Don't start Damn. playing a sport. It sucks. It's hard. <laughs> Especially golf. Golf is the freaking worst. I used to take driving lessons uh, when I was like eight. Driving's fun. Yes, The it rest is. of it sucks. Let's con- I want to continue this conversation, but first, we need to hear from our sponsors. Yes, it is time again to remind you guys about Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Um, inside the package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, uh, the Crop Preserver Deodorant, and a bunch of other tools, including boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold everything that Manscaped provides in their Performance Package 4.0. Um, the trimmer includes a light, and it is waterproof, so you can see where you're trimming and get a good idea of what's going on because you don't want to make a mistake. And, yeah, uh, for our special listeners, we have a special offer. It includes 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. So take advantage of that offer for Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 with the Lawnmower 4.0 Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer and a lot of other awesome things. So we highly encourage you guys to take advantage of that offer. Fansided20 at manscaped.com. I want to continue this wedding conversation because I was just thinking about how many weddings I've been to. I have been to three in my entire life, one of which I don't remember because I was like two. (laughs) How many have you two been to? I have been to... Six total that I remember. I know I went to a few as a kid, and there's actually a clip of me. It was my aunt and uncle getting married, and I just shouted out my aunt's name as she was walking down the aisle. So, like in this wedding <laughs> video, you just hear me shout out her name. But um, I've been to six since I was like in middle school, and four of those have been in the last year alone. <laughs> so it's getting busy, and I'm sure I'll end up going to a few more. Just, you know, I, obviously I'm a couple years older than you guys, so I'm at that age. We're getting there, Connor. Well, my friends are starting to get married, so you guys, I'm sure, will be approaching that in a couple years. But, yeah, six plus for me. I think you're giving our friends a lot of credit. <laughs> hey, man, your friends, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to four. Uh, one of them, the most recent one was my brother's in the summer, which obviously that was probably the most special one. You got to be a part of that. That was the first wedding that I've ever been in. So that was cool. One of my friends is about to send out wedding invitations. This will be like my first same age friend getting married, which is kind of weird. So it'll be five At years. At 21 soon. or 20, 22? 22, 21. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So I've been to four. We're going to get five here uh, pretty soon, I think. 
Uh, they send out invitations, but they usually the wedding is like months on from that. Based on that's what I was. I'm okay. I'm glad you. I I was wondering. Yes, because it does take a lot of planning. Um, weddings, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, even yeah. though I've never done any of that, I do know it takes lots and lots of plannings. Um, so. I'm sure you'll look forward to hearing about that from your friends nonstop as the U.S. beat Jamaica 2 to nothing. Let's get to soccer because we've been rambling on about weddings for too long and slit thumbs and all that fun stuff. And we're going to do some North Americans abroad because we haven't done that in a while. And we're going to fire through it, uh, the North Americans part, and then we'll get to the big news of today, really, as we're recording this. Uh, Brendan Aronson, who just played for the U.S., an assist on Sunday. Good for him. Joe Scally scored his first Bundesliga goal for Borussia Mönchengladbach. He wasn't called into the U.S. men's national team roster. Interesting decision. Maybe you'll, one of you t- will dive... Excuse me. We'll dive into that in a second if you want to. Gianluca Busio, former MLS product, scored his first Serie A goal for Venezia uh, in a one-to-one draw on Friday. And... The lone Canadian in this grouping, Jonathan David, scored two goals on the weekend. He was named to the FIFA Team of the Week, and I believe it was the marquee player in this week's Team of the Week, so he got a double boost, um, which is in- very notable. Before we get to the big news that happened today uh, involving a whole uh, unimaginable amount of money, what were both of your North Americans abroad? I assume one of you will dive into Joe Scally. Uh, I'll tackle Joe Scally. I will. Joe Scallywag, you mean? Bit. Yep, there it is. Drew had to get that in there. <laughs> Where's the boo? You gonna boo him, Connor, or what? Uh, yeah. Uh, do I have booing? I don't think I have booing. Do Man. I? No, I don't. I that just too have. Bad. <laughs> same idea. <laughs> Doesn't hit quite the same, but it'll have to do. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so Joe Scally, he was left off the U.S. men's national team roster, and so I guess in response, he ended up scoring for Borussia Mönchengladbach. I believe it was on Saturday, I want to say, maybe Friday. And uh, he scored to make it 3-1, I think. They were on their way to winning regardless. It was like 2-1, and he ended up getting that goal, uh, I believe, in stoppage time to kind of seal the deal. Um, But yeah, so... The goal was great and everything. I, I didn't actually see it. I'm, I'm just saying it's good for him that he got the goal. Um, and obviously with him being so young and breaking into the team and everything. But the thing I want to talk about is his being left off the U.S. men's national team roster because a lot of people were really upset about him not being on this roster. And to me, it was kind of funny because I, I think from my perspective, I was fine with him being left off. You bring in guys like Shaq Moore who had a great uh, gold cup. You bring in, you know, Serginho Dest, who's been getting plenty of caps and has been there, done that, and was part of the last qualifying window. And then, of course, you have other players like DeAndre Yedlin, Reggie Cannon, um, to name a few. Even Brian Reynolds has been into camp already. And so for people to be upset about Scali not being including, uh, being included on a World Cup qualifying roster, no less, seemed very silly to me. Is he ready? Probably. But with the way the first window went and while it ended up being good and getting five points from three games is pretty solid. I think there was a lot of disappointment surrounding the U S. So I think, you know, personally I was fine with Scali being left off. He's still really young and guess what? You know what? He could, 
he could get called into the November camp. I mean, what's the big deal? If he continues to play well for Bruce Schumann and Gladbach, then by all means, bring him in then. You know, what's what's a month, essentially, is what I'm saying. So it was just silly to me to see all these people, you know, really upset over leaving off a player in a position that is easily the most, like, stacked and filled with depth position on the U.S. roster. Uh, but good for him. Kind of proved some people wrong, I guess, by scoring that goal after being left off. And I'm sure this is not the last we'll be hearing of Joe Scally. Drew, yeah. what was your North American abroad this week? Yeah, I'm going to leave you with your preferred North American abroad moment, Connor, I assume. And I'm going to go with John Lagabusio scoring his first Serie A goal for Venezia in a 1-1 draw. Um, just a big moment for him. Everyone was excited about that move going to Italy, a player that most people expected to be gone sooner rather than later. It finally happened to a club that just ransacked MLS randomly there for a second. And for, to see him score a goal um, is really big. So I went with that as my North American abroad moment. Hopefully get to see more of those. And I think Syria is on ESPN+. Plus, so that is option for people to actually watch them play because that's always good to watch Americans play abroad and not just hear about them. So I went with that. Um, it's a pretty exciting moment for him, the U.S., and MLS to see young players tearing it up in Europe. Connor, I, I assume, I think we know what's going to be, but what is your North American abroad moment? Brendan Aronson getting an assist. Yeah, yeah, he's going to do Brendan Aronson. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, no, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. Uh, no, I'm going Jonathan David, of course. I feel like I have to. Two goals on the weekend. Great performance. Uh, for Lille, he's really coming to his own. He's, I think, has six goals on the season, which is more than both Messi and Mbappe combined, and Neymar combined, because one of them has zero. Um, so he's having a great season. Hopefully he continues that for him with the game against Mexico tonight, which is kicking off in about four minutes. Um, so I'm sure you'll get my live reactions as I follow it on Twitter. But, yeah, I went with Jonathan David. Let's talk the big news, though. The big, 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 big news involving a Saudi billionaire and a whole lot of money buying Newcastle United. First of all, before we get into potential MLS implications, because there is one potential implication on that team, what do you guys think about this Newcastle purchase? Uh, I think it's exciting in the sense that like Newcastle's always had a really passionate fan base and... They, they deserve, especially after the way Mike Ashley ran that club the last few years, they deserve to have, you know, owners that will put in, you know, a lot of money into the club for lack of a better better phrase. However, uh, it's moves like this that are contributing to the, like, crumbling of club soccer in Europe especially. Like, this is what leads to Super Leagues. This is what has been you know, fundamentally causing all these like systematic issues across club soccer in Europe. So for that reason, I'm not excited. And also, you know, there's like the human rights records with the Saudis and some other Middle Eastern countries that have also uh, bought into these big clubs. So that's problematic, of course, but from a purely soccer point of view, you know, it's exciting. So up the, oh, uh, was it, what do they say? Howay up the tunes. Tune? No, no, they say like Howay Lads or something. Howay Tune. They say Howay, and I think Howay the Lads. Howay. I think. Howay the Lad. That sounds right. So that's 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 all I gotta say about that. But yeah. I'm not the Newcastle fan here. Drew is. Yeah, there's there's two ways. So 
funny, funny. I saying I'm a Newcastle fan is a bit of a stretch, but I support them over any other European club pretty much for the reason that Josh just said. Because when you look at European soccer, specifically England, it's just turning into this. You know, which club? These this select group of clubs have more money than anyone. They're just going to beat up on each other. Arsenal's going to fall apart in about the third week of the season, and then these five are going to battle it out for the top for the title. And it's all about money. And part of that, I think, between that and Miggy, which we'll talk about in a second, is the MLS piece in this whole move. Between those two things that led me to supporting Newcastle, um, it's obviously really hard to watch them because soccer, English soccer here is just frustrating because they only show the big six teams, but that's another conversation. But the Newcastle fan side of me is super pumped to see this team contend because I haven't been a fan for long, and I've only known them battling relegation and losing last second to stupid teams like Burnley and Brighton Albion and crap like that. Um, so it's exciting to see the ownership possibly having the potential to put a lot of money into the squad and turn into a good team that's competing for EPL titles, that's competing to play in UCL. I, they've never won a Premier League title. I think they won one FA Cup like in the 70s, something crazy like that. So like Josh was right, this, the fans have been waiting for a long time, and it doesn't take a lot of research to realize that fans – in Newcastle are super passionate and they're probably really happy about this because Sunderland are currently a crap show and they just got one of the wealthiest people in the world to invest in their club so that's really exciting uh, so I'm pumped about it it was pretty it's been the Newcastle takeover has been in the works for a while I just don't think fans really expected it I didn't expect it today at all but that also contributes to my not following European soccer as closely as other people do so the Newcastle fan enemy is super pumped about it to compete in this, but like Josh said, it's annoying that it takes this to compete in the Premier League. It takes a owner who has way too much money that he knows what to do with. He chooses a random club, invests in it, and sees what happens. Um, it's frustrating. I'm not sure how we can stop it. And the Super League, like Josh said, wasn't long ago, but stuff like this is just kind of bleeding into that. It's all about money idea, and I know we crap on MLS a lot, but it's fun. It's a league of parody sometimes really bad defending but it's really fun and it doesn't take 300 some billion literally billion dollars to compete so it's exciting times for european soccer i think americans are just super happy because what if this is another it's not going to be the same as leicester city i don't think we'll ever see another leicester city moment but just the fact that a team with this low of a branding could possibly run for the title against a man U, a man city and stuff like that so I'm super pumped about it. I'm specifically pumped about one part that we'll talk about a bit more in a second. But come on, you tunes, win it all. We'll see what happens. Side note, really fun side note. Newcastle reportedly sold for about $400 million. That is half of MLS's highest valuation for its clubs. How ridiculous is that? Like... We've, we've kind of talked about, like, high MLS valuations a couple times on the show before, but that is just so, like, so ridiculous to think about. Half. That is half of some of the top MLS clubs' evaluations. That is mind-boggling to me. But that's money. It's not real. That's because MLS is a Ponzi scheme, if you didn't know. Uh, Great Deadspin well, article. It was, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Let's get into um, the main MLS impact being former MLS man, Miguel Almiron. Obviously currently plays for 
Newcastle United after being sold by Atlanta United. What do you think happens to him? I think he gets put on the bench. Again, this is assuming that this ownership group actually does something with this money. I think he gets put on the bench, and I don't think he stays very long. Um, But, I mean, he came into Newcastle as the most expensive transfer in club history. Obviously, that was before this money came in. He came around $27 million. I'm trying to find his wages, but that was after Atlanta bought him from Club Lanús in Argentina for about $8 million. So, good piece of business from Atlanta's point, buying for eight, selling for about $20 million more than that. But I think just because of how expensive he is, and again, it's really hard to watch Newcastle games, um, so you don't get to see him play a whole lot. But when you do get to see him play, it's he's one of their better players. Um, I think Cal Wilson's probably their best player. Um, I think he has two goals this season. I'm trying to pull their stats right now as I read off all this nonsense. Um, but I think he's going to get, yeah, Calum Wisdom and Alan St. Maxim have two goals. So they don't score a whole lot, and they're leading the team. I think they just lost two ones to rush for Newcastle right now. But I think he'll sit on the bench for a while. Again, there's so many, because these other big clubs, right, you can't just walk into Paris and say, give me Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar. Like, you're going to have to pay a lot of money, and then you got to buy other players. And if it fits, how the coaches. Things like that. Does it get along with the ownership? Does it get along with team culture? So there's a bunch of different moving parts to this as far as the team wanting to spend money. Honestly, I have no idea when this money even goes into effect. Like, when's when can they spend all this money and just load up the team? Is that, like, off-season Probably the thing? next transfer window. I'm assuming. And that's not pretty – that's pretty soon, right? Uh, Yeah, I think December, January, winter? right? The winter transfer window? I assume yeah. that's when they can dig into the wallet. So – Will they dig into the wallet that soon? I don't know. They have about a couple months until that goes into effect. But for Miggy's purposes, he's one of their better players on the team. I think he'll sit the bench, maybe come off. He's fast as crap, even for EPL standards. So if you're down a goal, give the ball to the – what was Joseph Martinez's dad called him? Like an ostrich or something like that? Flamingo? Yeah. Runs know. like an ostrich. Give the ball to I the ostrich. I don't think it would be Flamingo. Uh, I'm it's, not sure if it's you're familiar ostrich. with what flamingos look like. But. I'm not familiar with the flamingo. Okay, he, hey, they're the ones. Hey, they're the pink hey. birds with the really thin legs. I think he got tall bird. Name. Okay, he got tall bird in there at least. Uh, okay. Go uh, ahead and throw I, big bird in there too. Oh god, I love okay. big bird. But <laughs> give the ball to the ostrich. Let him run. <laughs> I think he's going to win a Premier League title with Newcastle. That's the stupid fan in me coming out. That's what I think. He's going to ride the bench, but he's going to win silverware with him. Atlanta United num- fan number two. What is happening to Miguel Almiron? Uh, nothing for a while because they need to get a new coach first, and then we'll see what happens when we go from there. All right. Well, that was very <laughs> in-depth discussion. I uh, mean, he's not look, wrong. We we're we're uh, what is this? what's the phrase? Putting the cart before the horse. I mean, the takeover just went through today. It's gonna be a minute before. They start making decisions. They have to put their own guys in charge, right? That hasn't even happened yet, and that includes a manager. So it took a minute for City, like which is the last club that got taken over like this in a big way, and that happened, like, what's it been now, 10 years, 10, 15 years since that happened? It, it took a minute for them to really get, you know, get settled and get the people they wanted in charge in charge, and then, of course, from there we see what they are today. So 
all this talk is, you know, fun. However, I don't even know if Miguel Almiron will still be around by the time we see the effects of this takeover on Newcastle. So for me, it's, you know, kind of wait and see approach. He has, so two things, Ostrich and Flamingo is pretty close together. So it wasn't that far off. Second thing, he has, <laughs> now I Googled them. They're not as far off as it sounded like. They're both pretty tall pink birds. But anyway. Ostriches are not pink. Yeah, dude, I, are you looking at a picture of an ostrich? Or? Have you seen their legs? Their their torso is black, but their legs okay. and their neck is all pink. right. That's a that's a big difference though compared to a flamingo, which is pink all over. You know. I yeah, also wouldn't call difference. it pink. I don't know what you call this then. Gray, that's pink, dude. Gray. Okay, you're seeing some weird ostriches. <laughs> I'm okay, seeing I think there's two different. He's he's thinking of Canadian of ostriches. ostriches. He's thinking of the Canadian ones. Yeah. The ones down here okay. in Georgia are pink. In but... fairness, we do have ostriches in our zoos. So All right, well... We have to have one in the Atlanta Zoo. Yeah, so do we. But Yeah, maybe... but the Toronto Zoo is better than the Atlanta Zoo because the Toronto Zoo's orangutans, orangutans are going to be having a babysit. Our aquarium's mm-hmm. sick. And we had a silverback gorilla, which inspired our soccer team before stupid MLS naming conventions changed the name, but I digress. But Miggy's contract... In 2024, he's a free agent. We'll see what happens after that. All right, let's dive into some MLS news because I wanted to keep this episode shorter so I could watch the Canada game, but I figured out how to get it on my computer, so I'm watching it at the same time just with a bit of a delay, I think. MLS news, the big news was obviously the Cincinnati thing. We'll dive into that in a second. The unfortunate news that I didn't even catch uh, was Anton Tinnerholm had... His injured his Achilles. Um, brutal, brutal injury. He's out for the season. Most likely he's going to be out for a lot longer than that. Uh, these injuries are so bad, I could see him missing all of next season too. But what do you guys think about it? Because obviously NYCFC are currently, I think, technically in a playoff spot, but they've been sort of struggling of late. So how big of an effect do you think losing Tenor Holm who is their captain, if I'm correct. Uh, how big is that going to be in terms of their potential playoff hopes getting crushed? Yeah, that's a it's a big loss for NYCFC. They've already been struggling as of late. They've kind of fallen down the standings a little bit. But he is so important to that team. Um, the team itself overall is like really young now. They've brought in so much young South American talent. But one of the, you know... Some of the few st- stability, you know, stable players in the back are players like Anton Tinnerholm and Maxime Cheneau. They're like the oldest guys on the team, and I think they're only in like late 20s, maybe early 30s. So to lose one of those guys in Tinnerholm is a big deal for them. And I'm not saying it's going to completely ruin their season and you know they're going to miss out on the playoffs or anything like that, but if NYCFC should miss out on the playoffs, I think losing Tinnerholm is going to end up being a big reason for that. So... Just really unfortunate, and you never want to you never want to see a player injured, but you especially never want to see them injured with an Achilles or an ACL, something that keeps them out of the game for a year. And then there are always not always, but there are quite often complications with these injuries in trying to come back. And then there are you know then there's that extra bit of time for the player when they do come back to get back to their old selves. So it's gonna be rough for. Um, NYCFC, I think, without Tinnerholm, and we're going to find out if that team has been built well and they have the depth to withstand that big of an injury. Drew, what are your thoughts on Tinnerholm 
being done for the season, probably longer. And how much of an effect do you think that's going to have on NYCFC's playoff hopes? Yeah, I think Josh was talking about it a little bit, but the timing of this injury, I think this is probably the worst possible time to get injured because he said this takes about a year at the best to get fully fit and ready to go. So if you were to, if this were to last a year, okay, so you're thinking he's out for this playoff push that they're in, especially in this weird bubble that they're in, they really need a consistent player like him, and he's played in... 25 matches starting 23, and you look at through his seasons, I'm looking at his MLS stats right now, and he's like consistently a pretty decent passer out of that right back position. So he's really consistent at where he plays. He passes the ball well. He's always there. So you figure they're going to miss that kind of guy through this playoff push. But then if it takes him a year, they're going to miss him for the majority of 2022. So if all goes well, you're going to be getting him back as you make another playoff push or as you try to make a playoff run in 2022. And like Josh said, I mean, you can play games, but that's not doesn't mean you're the same player. So when they get him back in 2022, whether it's to try to win MLS Cup, try to get a playoff spot, try to clinch shield wherever the club is at at the time, they're not going to have that same guy that they've always had at right back. So it sucks for NYCFC. They're in a downfall, which I'm sure Josh talked about. I had to go get my charger, so I missed a little bit of his rant. Um, but they've been downfalling. They're fighting just for their playoff lives, and this isn't good, and I don't think it's good for 2022. So it's just – I think this has to be the worst in any sport at all. If if we're talking about baseball, a player getting Tommy John in September is probably the worst possible time. I think right before the playoffs – is the worst possible time because you're going to miss him for the most important part of the season and you're going to miss him for the majority of next season. So it's brutal for him. Hope he ends up well. Hope everything goes good. We can see him on the field as soon as possible because NYCFC has been really good as of before recently and they really need him for this playoff year and uh, to compete next year. All right, let's get quickly your thoughts on Chris Albright officially being announced as FC Cincinnati's new general manager. Uh, we talked about this last week. It wasn't official at the time, but it was pretty much all but official. Um, I don't really have anything to add to it. I just think, uh, I just think it's worth pointing out, uh, the ESPN article that just came out today surrounding FC Cincinnati, more specifically president Jeff Birding, who was largely responsible for getting FC Cincinnati into MLS from the USL, which is impressive in its own way. However, <laughs> Uh, since being in MLS, they've obviously been the literal worst team in the league, and they're about to be the worst team in the league again for the third year in a row, which would set a record, by the way. So I, part of me wants to be excited about Albright, but while Jeff Birding is still there, I don't know what he can accomplish. So that is going to be interesting. Uh, he has a tough ask around him, but he doesn't. it's not like he doesn't have all the resources around him. He has a dope new stadium in Cincinnati. He has a club that's willing to spend money. But going on three times the wind spoon, I think Josh said that's never been done before, finishing bottom of the league three times in a row. But Cincinnati might just dang do it if Toronto, unless Toronto has anything to say about it. Um, so he has a tough ask, but he has the resources. And, man, if he turns this around, that's going to be a pretty successful story for him to say that he got this crashing, burning dumpster and somehow got the float. So he has a big ask out of him, but dang, if he does it, that's going to be a pretty awesome story for him. And reading an MLS article they wrote about him, a lot of people have considered this guy one of the best in the league. And he has a really good chance to prove that with one of the worst, not one of the worst in the league. So 
exciting times for him and the club. All right. And as we wrap up this discussion and Canada continues to what appears to dominate Mexico based on what I've seen. What's the score? Um, We're going to take a quick ad break before diving into some MLS action. All right, and we are back. Time to talk MLS games from this past weekend. As we near the end of the season, only about five, six, seven games left for each team uh, with the MLS Cup playoffs right around the corner already. The season has flown by. First game we're going to talk about, Vancouver Whitecaps beat San Jose Earthquakes 3-0 thanks to a Brian White hat trick. White was acquired last year, if I remember correctly. This year? Wow. Again, this season has flown by, and it feels like that was forever ago. But White came over from the New York Red Bulls for about, I want to say 400000 in allocation money. I can't remember which allocation money exactly. It was but something around like there, yeah. Um, the right amount for that. So he's come over. Yeah, he's had a huge impact on the Vancouver Whitecaps. He's got eight goals in the last nine games alone, which is more than... Well, I don't know if the eight goals is more than uh, designated player Lucas Cavallini, but I do know for a fact that White has scored more goals for the Vancouver Whitecaps than DP okay, Lucas Cavallini. Let's be so that okay. is a very fun fact I, right there. Lucas Cavallini hasn't been great, but he's also been injured for a lot of the season. Like a vast majority of the season. Point still stands. Whitecaps spent 400K in GAM on a, on a dude named Brian White and got way more production out of him than designated player Lucas Cavallini. That's not a slight. It's not a slight. It's just a funny observation. That's all. Um, okay. Uh, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> it's like saying last season, Brian White probably scored more goals than Joseph Martinez. Like, uh, okay, that is uh, – all right. You know what? That is fair. However, I feel very confident that if you pulled up the minutes played from White versus Cavallini, that's where that argument would lose its water. So I guess you're going to look that up now. So, so while – Connor do that does that, right Drew, now. as the resident Vancouver Whitecaps fan, sitting there wearing his New England Revolution jersey. Uh, <laughs> Top of the East. You have to apologize this episode, by the way. I uh, All right. None of those eight New England fans listen to this, first of all. So I'm not going to waste... I think I'm one of those <laughs> eight. So I'm not going to waste seven. my breath here. I'll save it for my notes app apology on Twitter. <laughs> but Drew... Vancouver, they're on a good run here. I believe they are sitting above the playoff line. I haven't actually looked at the standings here in a hot second, uh, but someone put in the doc here that they have a really tough uh, schedule to finish out the season, and I will also pull that up as we talk about it. But, Drew, what are your thoughts on this uh, big win over San Jose? Um, Do you think the Whitecaps can get the job done, seal the deal, make the playoffs? And with this loss, what is your opinion of San Jose and their chances of making the playoffs? Yeah, I'm going to start with Vancouver. I think it was pretty big given the crapshoot that they're in. It feels like both conferences right around this bubble are a crapshoot. This puts them in eighth right below Minnesota in the playoff line. However, they have one game less than the LA Galaxy and RSL. So if they were to win that game, they would go to 40 points, which would put them in fifth but also Minnesota is right there as well with 28 points. So if you're going to look at it from a numbers point of view, that is a really big win and a confidence booster. Vancouver, really, I think we can, you could even trace it back to the firing of Mark Dos Santos to that, what was it called? The, the new manager bump? 
bump, the new manager bump, or I think Atlanta United kind of had it there for a second. But when you fire a guy, you get like an interim. I don't even know who their interim is. But after Dos Santos was fired, really between that, I think the Whitecaps going back to BC Place, getting to play in Canada. Connor, you probably know what the attendance deal is like for Canada. I'm not really sure. But they're getting to play at home, new manager. Things are starting to click for them. And it's clicking at the right point because they are making this push to make it into the playoffs. However, I don't know if it's going to be enough because leading up to this last stretch, they kind of had to be perfect. And they they drew with Houston. I think that was that's going to be their killer. They had a chance to get three points there, but they settled with a nil-nil draw. Because you look at their stretch, they have Seattle on Saturday, SKC after that, Portland after that, San Jose again, which is probably their easiest matchup. They play Minnesota, LAFC. So they play Seattle twice in this stretch right here. Uh, their next game and then decision day, they play Seattle. And then Portland, LAFC, SKC, Minnesota, and all of those three, all of those teams are really good. You have no idea what you're going to get So with LAFC, so we don't know what's going to happen there. But I think... This is mainly just going to be a really good end to the season, and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs just because this run is really difficult. There really is no room for missteps, especially against Minnesota, which they play. They don't play on decision day, but they do play on... They play October 27th, so they have two games after their game with Minnesota, so that's going to be a really big deal. But I just don't think it is at home, which is good. They have a lot more games at home with Canada, allowing them back into the country and playing. So I think this is just going to be a really good run for the Whitecaps to look on to next year. But because it's so hard, I don't see them making the playoffs. As far as San Jose goes, I think that's just like the final nail in the coffin. They're currently in 10th place with 33 points. They're kind of where the crapshoot kind of ends again if they just go on a run here they could make up for that Um, but they've played 28 games and are still behind Vancouver and Minnesota who have played 27 points and then when you play Vancouver a potential six point swing you get absolutely demolished that's not good so I think I personally have given up all hope for shit for San Jose I think Vancouver has a shot but this is a really tough into the season I think their shot was against Houston and they blew that drawing Nil, nil. So I think Vancouver is a good story, but I think they'll fall right outside the playoff line. Connor, what do you think? Is Vancouver going to make the playoffs, or do you think this is – what do you think about the Whitecaps' chances right now? Quickly before I do that, ben, uh, White has played 1,386 minutes. Cavallini's played 1,131. Uh, so that's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, um, but I will give Cavallini a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because – I don't think he's played much with Ryan Gold. All right, that I think is a lot of his injuries have been recent. That's fair. Whereas Ben White has, I think it's Ben. Yes, yes. Brian. Ben White. Brian. Brian. Why ben White ben? plays for Arsenal. That's why. Brian White uh, has gotten to play with Ryan Gold, which is very helpful. It's amazing what a number ten will do to a team who doesn't have a number ten. Um, <laughs> and that signing has been incredible, by the way. But. Yeah, I think I think Vancouver has a shot. I think it's going to be very difficult. I'd side more with I think they will make it because I think this gold edition is going to be huge. Uh, and I think playing the games at home is going to be big too because they are playing on turf, and that might restrict which players are available for op- uh, opposing teams. So I could see them doing it. I think it will be difficult, but I could see them doing it. In terms of San Jose, 
hell no. They would the only way they could have done it would have been if Cade Cowell had become the second coming of like Lionel Messi or Landon Donovan or something, and he didn't do that. Uh, which and that just it's not it, they're not going to be able to do it. Period. Uh, so yeah, Vancouver in San Jose, no chance. They don't stand a hope in hell. Josh, what are your thoughts on Vancouver and uh, San Jose? Yeah, I. Part of me still thinks Vancouver's going to end up making it. And again, just from looking at the standings, they are sitting one point out. But I'm not totally convinced by Minnesota. I'm not totally convinced by RSL. Uh, I think at this point, with the way Portland's been playing lately, they've pretty much locked up uh, at least a playoff spot. And now it's down to those last three positions. For Vancouver, like Drew was saying, their schedule is just so brutal. So brutal. I will say this, depending on how these next three games go, and they've got that game this weekend, which is a big deal because most of MLS is inactive due to the international break. I think depending on how this weekend goes, and then those they have that uh, Sporting Kansas City and Portland game um, within a four-day span. If they can come out of that with like a, a decent amount of points, they get that little bit of a break against San Jose and Minnesota. And you know what? That game against Minnesota, that could be the game. That could be the game that we find out which one of those teams is going to go to the playoffs, uh, at least based on the way the standings are now. So I think Vancouver has a decent shot. As for San Jose, yeah, I mean, they're pretty much done. These last couple games have been super rough for them. However, it's MLS. They still have six games to play. They are only five points out of the playoff spot, and they're only six points out of fifth. So I'm not ready to completely give up on them yet. That being said, they are probably done. And losing a game like this in the fashion that they did kind of, you know, probably shows us that they are done. But never say never. MLS is extremely unpredictable. Sticking with the West, though, unless you guys have anything to add on either of those, but I think we're pretty much, uh, pretty much summed up our thoughts on that. Yep, Okay. Another big Western Conference game this week, uh, including some of those other teams hanging right around that playoff line, the LA Galaxy and Minnesota United uh, faced off against each other. Wasn't El Trafico this weekend? It was. Okay, so this is actually I, El Trafico, I put Minnesota in because Minnesota. I read the second point in... I read Minnesota <laughs> twice because that's twice in the notes for LA Galaxy. That's my fault. Sorry. <laughs> they didn't even play each other this week, did they? The other best rivalry in soccer, LA Galaxy and Minnesota. <laughs> well, all right. So we can talk about El Trafico, though, um, especially because, again, it's El Trafico, one of the most entertaining games in the league when it happens. And also because both these teams are still trying to make the playoffs. Uh, it ended up being a 1-1 draw. Galaxy are sitting sixth on 39 points, tied with RSL uh, points-wise, just a point ahead of Minnesota in seventh. LAFC continue to hang out below the playoff line. They are in ninth. They're three points behind Vancouver, who are in eighth, and they are four points out of the playoff line, which is, again, Minnesota with 38. Uh, I'll quickly say my piece about this game. I think it's probably a plus for these guys that they only conceded one goal because both teams have had their defensive struggles recently. However, I'm sure both coaches, Bob Bradley and Greg Vanny, are extremely disappointed that their team could not come away with a win. Um, and that's probably 
the gist of, of this particular El Trafico, I would say. I think the question I'll ask you guys is, we, we spent a lot of time last week on LA Galaxy talking about whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. How about LAFC? It's been a while since we've really talked about them and their chances. As I just mentioned, they're four points back from the playoff line, Minnesota. They still have to leapfrog Vancouver. And both Minnesota and Vancouver have a game in hand on LAFC. So they're kind of in a little bit of a hole here. What do you guys think about LAFC's chances? And I'm going to pull up their schedule real quick uh, to see what it's looking like for them. So after the international break, they have San Jose at home. They have FC Dallas on the road, Minnesota on the road, Seattle at home, Vancouver at home, Colorado on the road. So going to be some tough games against at least Seattle and Colorado, probably uh, Minnesota as well because Minnesota's going to be fighting for that playoff spot. And obviously Vancouver, as we mentioned uh, a second ago. Do you guys think LAFC can make the playoffs? Do you think they needed to win this game to really, you know, cement themselves in there? Or what are your thoughts on this? You've said it in the past, and I'll repeat what you've said consistently. This is a Stars League. You need your Stars to win. And LAFC have the best player in MLS, and Carlos Vela. Uh, I don't think there's any debate in terms of the fact that he is the best player in MLS. And when you have the best player in MLS, you can do anything. So I think they can still do it. I think it'll be difficult because they do have to face Seattle. They do have to face Minnesota. But I think they can do it. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, LA Galaxy, same thing. I think Greg Vandy's a great coach. I think having Chicharito, who's sort of found himself again this season, but then sort of has struggled with injuries. Um, I think they could do it. You know, Jonathan DeSantos is Jonathan DeSantos. Uh, so, yeah, that's. I, I think they both could do it. I think it'll be difficult, but I think they can do it. Uh, mo- also because the West sucks. So that helps a bit um, and from that very East Coast bias. Drew, what about you? What do you think about the two LA teams in terms of their chances of making the playoffs? Yeah, I think I am going to start with... I will start with the wonderful... I'll start with the Galaxy because they're in the playoffs. Um, I think this for them... I think this this was enough because their schedule lends itself decently to a playoff push uh, specifically with Houston and Dallas they play Houston on the road and host Dallas Um, but besides that I mean they're really when you're in this situation right where they're in the middle of the pack you could see them winning every game you could see them losing every game I don't think they'll be supporting or Seattle but besides that I mean you could flip a coin and see them winning any of these games. Portland on Saturday is going to be really hard. The advantages, they do have Portland at home, so that is really good. So I think for the Galaxy's perspective, I think they will hug that line a little more. It's going to come down to, I think, Galaxy and Minnesota play on decision day. That's going to be a huge game, and that's in L.A., which is really big. But I think the Galaxy, that, that was enough. Um, they're going to be hugging that seven spot I think I don't see them playing making a playoff push because like Josh said their defense is pretty shaky out of the teams that are in the playoffs currently uh, the Galaxy have allowed the most goals with 45 RSL and Portland have allowed 44 Minnesota's allowed 32 so out of playoff teams uh just kidding no I'm not kidding I was right cool so LA Galaxy really bad defense for this caliber level of a team And I think that might hurt him. As far as LAFC goes, I think you bring up a valid point with Carlos Vela just being able to change the game with his foot. But 
it's just a question of if he's going to play, right? He's been missing hamstring injury. He didn't play in El Trafico. Uh, Bob Bradley said he could play against the Quakes uh, on the 16th. So I'm trying to figure out if, if that is their Wednesday. next game or not. Thursday, next Thursday, Thursday. No, next Saturday. They play San Jose. Oh, yeah, it is next Saturday. LA. I'm dumb. So, next Saturday. Uh, they said he could come back to practice this week as we're recording on Thursday. I don't know if he's been at practice at all. Um, probably some LAFC reporters have kept up with that. But the question is if he's going to be there. So, if he's not there, their chance is harm. Because, like Connor said, like Josh has said before, this is a league where you give the ball to this one dude and let him work. And if that guy is not there for you when you need him, that's going to harm your chances. So I think a lot of arrest on Avela is available, and he has not been available a lot this season. I think that is a part of the reason why LAFC went from a team that everyone thought could win the double, maybe even go for the treble, and now they're just fine for a playoff spot without their best player. So a lot of it's going to rest on Carlos Vela, if he is healthy or not, for me to say that LAFC is going to make the playoffs. Just wanted to add, we also – know how much Carlos Vela loves to play San Jose that wonderful goal he scored I want to say in 2019 came against the earthquakes the uh, Vela 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 goal so maybe he'll have another uh, big performance against them we sure know that the uh, that LAFC needs that kind of performance moving on gonna switch over to the Eastern Conference just a little bit we had the foot hosting Atlanta United on Saturday night Unfortunately, I didn't really get to catch much of this game, or maybe fortunately, because Montreal ended up beating Atlanta 2-1. to one. Uh, Jake Mulraney scored for Atlanta in the second half to make it one nothing, but then Romel Kyoto ended up with a brace, including, uh, I guess, a good goal on Brad Guzan. Maybe not. Connor will tell us more about that later. But Montreal comes away with the win. Obviously, this was a really important game for these teams because both of them are hovering right around the playoff cut line. With the win, Montreal moves up into 7th on 40 points, um, which is tied with DC and NYCFC, who both also have 40 points. And Atlanta now falls one point behind and below the playoff cut line, although they are five points clear of Red Bull back in ninth. Also, to keep in mind, um, Atlanta, with their 39 points, are just three points out of third place Philadelphia because Philadelphia has 42, and fourth place Orlando also has 42. So the East is still extremely bunched up. It is quite the race coming down to the wire. But obviously uh, a very direct game between these two teams in terms of jockeying for playoff position. Montreal comes away with the win. Drew, as the other Atlanta citizen or Atlanta Knight? I don't even know. Atlantan? ATLian, yeah, that's that's probably the best one. Um, I'm sorry, Outcast. Um, <laughs> I wish I had a boo. I did wish you catch I had the game? <laughs> um, did you catch the game, Drew? Uh, regardless of if you did, what are your thoughts on Atlanta falling to Montreal? I think Connor will let you talk more about Montreal since you've got some uh, you got some pride surrounding that um, sur- surrounding this result. But Drew, what about so uh, giving us some? takes from a sort of Atlanta perspective on this game. So I did not get to catch that game because sports broadcast rules are annoying. So I didn't get to watch it. I don't get to watch Atlanta United games, which is super frustrating, but 
nonetheless. We'll talk about it from a score perspective. Uh, I don't think this game is going to mean a whole lot when it comes down to the final standings as Connor has a... Oh, my <laughs> I, God. I'm going to assume that Connor wow. uh, Canada just scored. Jonathan yes. Osorio, Connor. baby. Let's go. Wow. Wow. Tie game. Oh. This is Canada's time to shine on the podcast. So, yeah, Connor's had a seizure as Jonathan Osorio <laughs> scored a goal to equalize. Um, but, yes, oh, crap, where was I? Montreal, yes, Montreal, <laughs> Atlanta. I don't think this game is going to mean a whole lot to the standings. I think we, you know, we're thinking this is toward the end of the season, but there are six games left to be played. So that is potentially, if my math is right, 18 points between these two teams that's left up for grab. Atlanta United has Toronto twice, NYCFC, who's fallen apart, Miami, Red Bulls, and Cincinnati. So any of those games I think are winnable for Atlanta United, I think. Especially, like Josh said, this is a really congested Eastern Conference. So those 18 potential points on the table are going to be really, really big for Atlanta. I think that's going to be able to kind of make up for this loss. On the flip side of that, Montreal doesn't have as easy of a schedule. But they have Philadelphia, Orlando City. They end the season with Orlando City. And then they have our favorite team here on the podcast, Forge FC, in the Canadian Championship semifinal. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes, if that impacts how the foot wants to balance trying to go for that silverware and also make a playoff push. But I think in the long term, I don't think this game is that important for it. Uh, LA United has enough opportunities to kind of make some noise and make a playoff spot. Connor, as someone who hates Montreal, but also is pulling for Montreal to make your prediction right, what do you think about this game as far as it pertains to the Eastern Conference playoff picture? And I wanted to ask you this. Who is the best team in Canada right now? Oh, you devil. You devil. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the cop-out answer, and I will say Montreal because they have more points than Vancouver. Uh, Man, you can hear him saying it through gritted teeth. <laughs> it's Begrudgingly. Granted, Vancouver Montreal. did just lose to... look. TFC are British currently second last in the East. They can't be the best team in Canada. I'm sorry. Although they'll probably win Canadian Championship because... That doesn't, that doesn't mean you have to like saying Montreal are the best team. No. You know, they're the rivals. I don't, but it's the truth. And <laughs> I only speak the truth ever. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> in terms of Montreal, I think this is a huge win for them because uh, this is a team who they've now passed in the standings, you know. Going into this weekend, they were down two points on Atlanta outside of the playoffs. Um, Now they're sitting seventh playoff spot, sitting at 40 points, tied with D.C., NYCFC, and obviously Montreal. NYCFC just lost their best player to an an Achilles injury for the rest of the season. D.C. United, Paul Areola could get broken at any point. Uh, the guy, great player, made a glass, though. So I think they're going to make it, despite who they're playing. I think it's tough opponents, yes, but I think they could win those games. Uh, I also think Atlanta are going to make it. I think NYCFC and DC United potentially fall out, maybe both of them. Um, yeah, like, I think NYCFC, meh, Montreal, I said it from the beginning of the season. I think people really underestimate them. 
I think Wilford Nancy has done an unbelievable job with that team. He should win Coach of the Year. Uh, I don't see another team apart from maybe New England who should even – there should even be a conversation uh, in terms of Coach of the Year. Maybe Colorado. Maybe. I think Brian Schmetzer deserves a shout too. Yeah, you could argue Schmetzer. I think Wilfer Nancy deserves it more than those guys, though, because everybody had, including you two, had Montreal penciled into the bottom two in the East. And they're looking like they've got a very good possibility of making the playoffs. And he doesn't have a Christian Roldan running around. I mean, you ask, name a Montreal, a foot player. It's not that human, like with the revolution, you have heel. Georgie Mihailovic. See, exactly. Yeah, and Georgie, Georgie Mihailovic has the second most assists in the league behind Carlos Heel, I'm pretty sure. So they do have a guy. They have they got one a guy. guy. Samuel Piet, Victor Wanyama. Well, yeah. I, Romel Kyoto. I would argue Seattle just because yeah. they did it without Nico Ladero and Jordan Morris. And I think that is extreme. And they've stayed at the top all year, which is what makes it so I think impressive. it's between Schmetzer it's, and... It's exactly Nancy. why Seattle is the best team in the West. I was right, having Drew? such a good episode, then you had to bring this crap back up. Oh my God. <laughs> We're not getting into this again. We're not getting into this again. <laughs> Uh, we're always getting into this. What I, okay, what I want to know, what we are going to get into, is it time to admit that I was right? About what? Montreal being incredibly underrated and a borderline playoff team. I think you're right. If they make the playoffs, I, that's where it gets fuzzy. But borderline, I think they'll finish borderline, and they're incredibly underrated because none of us picked them to do this well. Do they make the playoffs or not? I don't know about that. But at the very worst, they are a borderline playoff team. So, Connor, this makes up for your Nashville prediction. So, you win on the foot. And my Vancouver take wins my – makes up for my Ricardo Pepe take, which – woof. And your Nashville take. Are, the Nashville take was the Montreal take, okay? <laughs> you're solid. You're even, Steven. Two really bad takes, two really good takes. Yeah, we're evening it out here. We're evening it out here. <laughs> Speaking of bad takes, how, Josh, how do you feel about the revolution? <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> like I said, I will get my notes app apology out sometime this week. Okay, maybe maybe I'll wait to see what the Revs players do during the international break. T- I'm sure Tejan Buchanan's going to have some great moments. Matt Turner will have some good moments. Book says with the Polish national it. team. Exactly. I don't know how, but he is. We'll see. It's just Poland. Um, yes, Poland, who have Robert to... Lewandowski, like, <laughs> and and who else? That's the problem. <laughs> they have nobody else. <laughs> when you have two strikers, yeah, <laughs> and that's it. That's true. They that doesn't Blas- mean good things. Blasikovsky. I totally botched that pronunciation. He yeah. was really good a long time ago. You you could just be making up a name, now, and I think I would just be like, yeah, sure, that sounds. Blasikovsky right. is a player. About what it's like watching German soccer. Blasikovsky is a player. I'll give Drew that. Uh, Frankowski, the former Chicago Fire great. Just a phenomenal He's player. Polish. Which, we should bring up Chicago quickly. <laughs> they officially rebranded. They've released all, their, released all their merchandise and stuff. But, more notably, that 17-year-old goalkeeper. Kid stopped a penalty. Oh, yeah. Gabriel Slonina. He's very good. They There's some promise there with that kid. Um, so, maybe things are starting to turn around in Chicagoland. Although... Let's get some good players first. Let's do our goals, players, games to watch, all that fun stuff. I'm going first for my goal of the week because Josh already teased it. 
Romel Kyoto's Missile. <coughs> I mainly picked this one. I gave Josh the choice between this goal or his pick. Um, it's basically so I can make fun of Brad Guzan because he sucks and should have made the save. Um, great goal, though. Really hit that ball really hard from a very tight angle. To keep it underneath the crossbar was very impressive. Um, so... Yeah, I don't have much else to add to that. Uh, Romeo Kyoto has had a great season. He's been sort of a diamond in the rough for them. Uh, he's sort of been flying under the radar too. So very similar to this entire Montreal team. But Josh, which goal did you pick over Kyoto's absolute missile and Brad Guzan's abysmal, abysmal effort at making that save? I went because with uh, my boy, Zhao Paolo. Yeah, we know. I went with my boy, Zhao Paolo, from uh, Seattle Sounders. He had a fantastic run down the middle of the field. Great finish. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's someone took the audio of Marshawn Lynch, the Seattle uh, former Seattle Seahawks running back. Someone took the audio of him narrating his own Beastquake touchdown, and they put it over the Zhao Paulo run and score. And it worked out really, really well. So if you haven't seen that video, try to find it. I'm pretty sure it's on the social on the social media channels of the Seattle Sounders. But it was a really good goal. I didn't get to see it live, unfortunately. I only saw it after the fact. But fantastic solo effort. Um, very deserving. Drew, what about your goal of the week? I went with Julian Russell's goal versus Orlando City. I think it was pretty early on in the game. I want to say fifth, between the fifth and tenth minutes, something like that. It was outside the box from the right side, I think. Yeah, that's where it usually hangs out at. And it was a banger. It was a good goal. I think D.C. United lost that game, if I'm remembering correctly. But it was a good goal for Gressel. Love seeing him do well in D.C. as they try to make a playoff push here. Um, but, yeah, I went Julian Gressel's goal versus Orlando City. And uh, now let's, let's move to the player of the week. This is going to be an exciting time. All right, uh, everybody, everybody, all at once. Come on. Three, two, one. One, Brian White. Brian White. What a surprise. Hat trick hero. The player who's played better than Lucas Cavallini, the DP. Let's quickly <laughs> move on from that. Games to watch, because there's nothing else to talk about in terms of ben, uh, Brian White. God. Ugh, not Ben White. Brian White. Unless either, do any of you want to say anything involving Bar, uh, Brian White? Uh, I picked Christian Roldan as my... My second guy for player of the week. That's all I have to add to that. One goal, two assists in that 3-0 win over the Colorado Rapids. So, Very, very good pick. Games to watch. Speaking of Seattle and Christian rolled on. Well, there's only... And Vancouver, actually. Seattle versus Vancouver is my game to watch because there's four options this weekend uh, before next weekend when we'll have done probably an episode. So I went Seattle versus Vancouver. Two very good teams in the West. Uh, Vancouver sort of surging, Seattle missing the Roldan brothers, uh, potentially missing Rui Diaz as well. Uh, he was right on the little fantasy thing, um, which is your cue to pull up the fantasy, Drew, uh, as I go to... Oh, I don't want to, I swear. <laughs> I will go to Josh now for his game to watch to give Drew enough time to pull up the MLS Multiplex Fantasy League. I am going with Red Bull... Versus Miami for this weekend. Uh, our last time these two teams played, Miami had that really nice run of a few wins. 
and they were, you know, they were starting to fool people into thinking they could make the playoffs and stuff like that. It has not been good since then. They, I think they lost, what was it, 4-1 to one or 4 nothing to Red Bulls at home uh, on that Friday night game a couple weeks ago, and I think they've lost every game since then. And people are realizing that Miami's not that good. Also, side note, I saw a really hilarious quote today from Miami manager Phil Neville. He said, whoever wins this game is probably going to the playoffs. <laughs> that... That man is delusional. That man is delusional. How could he possibly think that either of those teams is going to make the playoffs? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Miami and Red Bulls are not completely out of it. They're only like, well, Miami is seven points back from Atlanta in eighth, and Red Bulls are only five points back. But who are we kidding ourselves right now with that joke of a statement? So my eyes will be on the Red Bulls. Miami game, I am looking forward to uh, Miami once again probably getting destroyed by that Red Bull high press. Drew, what's your game of the week for this weekend? My game of the week is Minnesota and Colorado because both of these teams, specifically Minnesota, is pushing for a playoff spot. And specifically when Connor mentions Vancouver, Seattle, this has a lot of impact on Vancouver-Seattle game because if Vancouver were to lose that game and Minnesota were to drop this game to Colorado, Vancouver still very much in the playoff push. So this has, this is a pretty big weekend, even though there aren't as many games. So I went with Colorado and Minnesota. And also, speaking of Seattle, Vancouver, this is Cascadia game. The Cascadia Cup is back. I just looked at standings. Vancouver has not won a game in the Cascadia Cup, so that's a bummer for the Whitecaps. But that's a fun thing that's back. We love that rivalry. This is their first time. <laughs> I think they've they literally won it more than anyone else, but that's a different thing. Uh, so I went Minnesota, Colorado. Now let's get into Josh's favorite part of the podcast, MLS fantasy season. Brought good, to you by. Good to see you guys. Sided. I'll talk to you next week. He'll talk to us next week, and he'll still be in 16th because he sucks. Josh is in 16th place. He has 959 <laughs> points on the season. The only reason he's not in last. Yeah, I was gonna say, but how many people are in this league though? Seventh, he's 16th out of 17th, folks, because the guy below him literally has zero points. Uh, so Josh is in 16th. Connor, me and you, this is the battle, man. I'm in 12th, you are in 11th. You have 1,611 points. I have 1,534 points. So Connor and I are battling to win the podcast. Fantasy battle, so that's exciting. As far as the overall standings, Older Goaler is winning the league with... 2,079 points, Goat Brecchet in second, Peachy Swagger in third, Colorado Crap is in fourth. So that is your top four. We got TFC, Seattle, Atlanta, and a Colorado supporter. So fun times in the league. Fantasy draft, fantasy league, as long as you're not Josh um, or the guy behind Josh. But yes, we love fantasy soccer here, at least two-thirds of us do. So there's your weekly fantasy update. And as always, you can read while Josh sucks at fantasy soccer. He writes some stuff for the website. You can check out the website at MLSMultiplex.com. Uh, you can visit the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex to see stories as they get tweeted out. Um, and you can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh I suck at fantasy soccer underscore Boland. <laughs> <laughs> Just calling them out. That's br- unbelievable. Yeah, I appreciate Great it. Work so that's where you can Great find work. us on social media to see our rants about everything. So follow us on social media, follow the website, 
and visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, and check out some awesome written content. So thanks again, as always, for listening. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you all again next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.